Hello and welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. This is episode 54 and today we're talking about how inflation has an impact on HMOs. Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. So hi, welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. I'm really delighted to be with you today. My name is Wendy Whitaker-Large and I present this podcast every week on topics to do with HMOs. And today's topic on the the effects of inflation on HMOs, I've been asked about this over the last few weeks quite a number of times. Um, If you have been watching inflation figures and what's going on in the economy, um, then you may of course have been thinking this yourself, what is inflation and how does it affect my investments. So I wanted to address this topic today because I think this is a really important topic to understand. One of the things that I always tell my clients, my mentoring clients and people that work with me um, is that it's really important as a property investor to realise that we're part of the wider economy. Housing and the housing market is of course a factor in the, the wider UK economy and of course the global economy as well. And without understanding some of those push and pull effects on the housing market, um, we can be rather uneducated and actually we can miss some of the signs of when is a good time to invest and when is not such a good time to invest. So today I wanted to record a, a piece about the effects of inflation. Now, having invested in property for the last 20 years, slightly more than 20 years, actually, um, I've been able to observe what's been going on in the housing market and, of course, in the UK um, economy at a wider level for many, many years. Has it scared me off investing? No, it's actually made me a lot more um, conscious of the the impacts of investing and how great it can be. Um, I've become much more confident about investing in property. I think I've I've understood when is a good time and when is not such a good time to invest and have utilized those insights it on my property journey. So I want to share with you today what inflation does and and why that matters to you as a property investor and specifically if you're investing in HMOs. So let's just start at the basics. What is inflation? When people talk about inflation, what do they mean? If we take the root meaning of the word, uh, you know, if you if you think about a balloon, let's say, and you inflate it, you make it bigger. So inflating something, whether it's a tire or you're, you're putting air into something, um, you know, a, a ball, let's say a football, you put more air into that item. So you're actually making it grow. You're making it bigger. And inflation starts with the money supply. And inflation is actually when the money supply starts to grow. Now, very often this is because central banks, in our case, uh, the Bank of England, prints more money. Now, they don't physically print more money because in fact there is uh, there's there's less cash actually circulating in the money supply now than there was 50 years ago because of course we don't really use cash so much anymore do we uh, I think my hairdresser still only gets paid in cash but apart from her <laughs> uh, most other people that I deal with they want my card they want a card purchase so if you go into a shop nowadays you might have um, you know card payment uh, using a credit card or using your phone or even using your watch um, I use use my watch a lot for purchases because it's just so convenient. So many of us use use cards all the time. 
So when we talk about money printing, uh, we're not literally talking about them, you know, somebody standing by a sort of gestetna and rolling it and actually getting the, you know, the, the, the sort of five pound notes off the printing machine. Um, although some of that does, of course, occur. But really what's happening is that the bank is increasing its balance sheet. So the bank is saying, right, we're going to add another 10 billion onto the balance sheet, for example. And of course, this creates a debt at government level. So there is a uh, there is a balancing effect that happens at government level. The government creates a debt and the bank creates um, an asset which is on their balance sheet. And that is the extra money. So when we talk about inflation, let's start at that, that very base point, which is the it's the growth. It's the increase of the supply of money in the economy. But of course, for many of us, the actual reality of inflation is that we have a decline in purchasing power. That's the impact very often of inflation. Now, that's not always what happens, and I'm going to explain why in a moment. But very often, what we see, and we saw this in the 1970s, this is a period of very, very high inflationary impact, because the decline of the purchasing power of the pound went down. So what this meant was at the beginning of the 1970s, if I go back to um, the early 1970s, when my parents bought their first marital home together, and uh, they we, we, we lived in a, a large home in Kent, and my parents parents paid £10,000 for this house. Now, at the time, um, I know that my parents had to sort of scrimp and save. Uh, it was a it was a tough time for them, but they really wanted to buy this, this large family home. Um, I, I had just been born, my sister was on her way, and they wanted a nice family home to, to bring up their daughters in. But interestingly, 10 years later, that house was worth £100,000. Now, over 10 years, was that because the house had improved so much because my parents had lived there and done such a lot of work to it that it was worth £100,000? Had they developed it and grown it so much that it was now worth 10 times what my dad and mum had paid for it? Well, no. The reason why the house had gone from £10,000 to £100,000 was because of inflation, because the currency, the pound, had actually gone down in value because there was more of it in circulation. So the effect of creating more of something is that the value of it decreases. Uh, again, we we see this in the market all the time, don't they? Don't you? You know, imagine that you have you go into a supermarket and uh, you you know you want to buy some apples. Now, if there's been a real apple shortage, let's say there's been a terrible blight on apples, and suddenly apples are really hard to buy, well the price goes up. You suddenly find that you're paying 50p per apple rather than 40p per apple. Whereas if there's a massive supply of apples onto the market, you know, that it's been a really good year for the apple crop and suddenly farmers are saying, oh, you know, our apple supply has been phenomenal this year. Well, the problem for them is that there's going to be a lot of apples uh, in Asda and Sainsbury's and Tesco and wherever you do your shopping. And suddenly the price of apples starts to go down because there's lots of them. So the consumer has a great a choice so the apple price goes down that's the effect of inflating the apple supply and we see exactly the same happening with currency so generally and and uh, I'll explain why this doesn't always happen immediately with currency but generally the impact of inflation is that we see prices start to go up uh, because the value of things has actually gone down in relation to the currency. So house prices, we see this. And of course, over the last year, this has become 
very, very common that house prices in 90% of the areas of the UK have gone up. And for the reason is because of inflation. The reason is because, of course, we've had a lot more money circulating in the economy. Now, there are two ways in which we measure inflation, or which the government measures inflation, and uh, these are called CPI and RPI. Um, and it tends to be consumer price index, the CPI index that the government now relates to and refers to when they're doing a press release. And you might see this every quarter on the BBC. They'll, they'll, they'll give a report on the rate of CPI. Now, over the last couple of quarters, it's interesting because certain aspects of that CPI basket, what they, what they do is they measure different uh, commodities and goods and services that we might buy as general consumers and they put that into the basket of the CPI uh, basket of, of, of measurement and they track that over time. Now what's really interesting is the price of clothing has gone up, the price of fuel has gone up but many other things have come down so that means that actually we're seeing some deflation in the market, we're seeing prices going down and we're seeing the, the, the result of this as being more of those goods and services being available than before or of course what we're seeing is more competition in the market. And what we do know is that competition generally reduces prices. If we go back to the example of the apple farmer, if we have five apple farmers, they've all had a great yield in their crop that year. We have a flood of supply of apples. There's a lot more competition in terms of supply. So that means that prices go down. However, of course, when we have competition from the demand side, which is what we've seen in the housing market over the, the last year, we've seen fewer houses coming up for sale. We've seen more people wanting to move move and buy property, this means, of course, that prices start to go up. So the supply and demand element of the market, of course, affects prices. So part of what the CPI is measuring is supply and demand. That's clear. And with certainly consumer goods, very often it's supply and demand that the CPI is, is watching, is keeping an eye on so that we can see, for example, fuel. There's more demand for fuel, there's less supply of fuel, so therefore the price is going up. So you could say that there is an inflationary pressure there for fuel. And I think we've seen that happen to property prices identically over the last year. Now, at the moment, the rate of CPI that the Bank of England wants to maintain is 2%. So they ideally want to have no more than 2% increase in CPI over the year. They actually don't want to have less than that either, though, because inflation keeps an economy growing, particularly with the kind of banking system we have, which is based on a fractional reserve system, which means that banks need to be able to lend money out to be able to create money. And that's a topic for another podcast. But if inflation gets too low, that means that there isn't an increase in prices, which means that there isn't a need for the increase in the money supply. And yet very often an increase in the money supply precedes an increase in prices. So what you have is you have an economy where there's a lot more money that's been created, a lot more money that's been printed, but it's actually not getting out into the high street. It's not actually going in to the economy where it's circulating. It's going in either to savings or it's going on to bank balance sheets and sitting there or it's going into big projects. Uh, it's, it's being used in other ways, but it's not actually held 
helping the day-to-day -day circulating money supply in the economy. And this is actually a, a very important factor in inflation because one of the ways in which um, central governments and central banks across the world rely on growth is through inflation. Now, there is another argument about the CPI, which is how accurate it is in terms of a measurement of inflation. In the UK, the, the CPI rate um, includes um, donor-occupiers' housing costs. And this is deemed to be one of the reasons why it's gone up to 1.6%. So up to the end of April, the CPI annual rate was 1.6%. So again, lower than the 2% that the Bank of England is aiming for, and not at a worryingly high level, but nevertheless, it has actually gone up. And um, it's gone up by 0.7% uh, in April, which doesn't sound like a very large amount, but of course, as we know, these small percentage points can really tip the balance in an economy very, very quickly. And we can suddenly start to see that we're over 2% inflation. Now, if you have property already and you already have, um, you know, maybe a single buy to let or you're looking to get invested in HMOs, there is a massive benefit to inflation because just as inflation increases the price of property, really, that is just simply a benchmark against the general amount of currency that is in circulation in the economy. What's really happening is that inflation is eroding the debt. It's degrading or eating up the debt that you have used to buy that property with. And so as the property price goes up, if you like, the relative value of that debt reduces. So Property prices, to a certain degree, really are tracking the real level of inflation. And as we know, property prices have gone up by generally about 10% over the last year. I believe that the average property price has gone up by 10% since April 2020. So clearly, the CPI um, inflation rate is not identical to the general housing inflation rate. And we've got to be careful that we, you know, we don't put the both of them in the same measurement, the same basket, because they are very, very different. So if you are already a property owner, you already have assets against which you have leveraged debt, then having a, an economy where there is inflation going on is great for you, because it means that your debt is getting eroded as your asset is growing in value. But of course, this does not help people who don't have property, don't have assets. If you don't have any assets right yet, then I would say to you, then this year needs to be your year to buy some assets. And this is one of the reasons why I think buying HMOs is a very powerful strategy, because it may take a couple of years for it to happen. It doesn't always happen, happen immediately. But by getting into the housing market, by buying property and using debt to leverage, what, you doing, what you're doing over the long term, term is effectively hedging against the currency. So if the currency is devaluing, which is what we're seeing gradually slowly happening with the pound because of the additional debt that has been created over the last year because of coronavirus, um, that debt that you've got against your property is slowly but surely being degraded. It's being eroded. And it means that in you know, 20 years time, uh, you'll, you'll have a property that is worth maybe three times or five times what you paid for it. And the mortgage will seem a pitiful amount compared to what it did when you first bought it, perhaps when you first refinanced it. So going back to the story of my parents, um, my parents were very careful with money. They were very frugal and uh, they're very cautious as well. And they decided to take a fixed 
interest rate mortgage and it was fixed at 6%. Now, of course, that's a lot higher than you'd probably find a mortgage today. So we're in a very, very lucky kind of place where we're, we're, we're in an inflationary economy, which is good if you've got property, not so good if you're starting to get into property because prices seem to be rising all the time. But at the same time, we've got very, very low base interest rates, which generally makes borrowing a lot cheaper. So we've got this chasm between interest rates and inflation. And I wonder how long that can last for. But going back to my parents, so they bought their house and £10,000 seemed a lot of money. Um, My dad took out a mortgage of about £8,000. Again, it seems such a small amount, doesn't it? You could have bought that house on a credit card in today's money. But over those 10 years, that payment that he was making for 6% on the £8,000 mortgage became lower and lower and lower relative to the value of the house. So 10 years later, in 1980, the house is worth £100,000. He's still got uh, a mortgage. And of course, some of it has been um, paid off because some of it was a capital repayment mortgage. But he's maybe got a mortgage of, let's say, £5,000. Now, when you've got a mortgage of £5,000, you've got a property worth £100,000. That that property is, is 95% uh, owned by you at that point, isn't it? Even if 10 years before, you actually only owned 20% of it because uh, the, the rest of it was mortgaged. But because the value of the asset has grown so much, the mortgage relative to the size of the asset has decreased. So leveraging your assets is very important is a very key concept to understand and while you know a mortgage broker and mortgage advisors might say well actually it's worth having one property that you have in your portfolio that's unencumbered and indeed that can be useful because you can then use that for leverage against let's say bridging finance or other types of finance should you need it Generally, I would always recommend that people leverage their assets. Uh, as of course, you've got to make sure that the cash flow covers the the payment that you'll ne- you'll need to be paid. You'll need to pay every month. But leverage really works, particularly in an inflationary economy. Now, of course, there are some downsides to inflation as well. Um, one of the uh, the risks that we see, and we've seen this in many, many countries across the world, and some economists say it's inevitable that a fiat currency, which is a currency that can be literally created on paper by a central government, that a fiat currency can easily fail and inflation can get out of control and can get out of hand. And this is something that we need to keep an eye on in the UK government and, and, and the UK government debt especially because if inflation starts to take off let's say people start to spend more money and the cost of goods starts to go up and we see a general uh, increase for example in demands for uh, higher salaries higher wages then this will be good if you're a property investor but it will be not good if you are somebody who doesn't have any assets the poor will continue to rent and this is going to be a long-term impact for us as property investors because we're going to see more and more people needing to rent property because they're going to have lower and lower incomes relative to the size of the economy. And I think we're going to see more and more government schemes to help people who want to get on the housing ladder. And of course, we've got the government scheme now, the 95% loan-to-value government scheme, the mortgage government scheme, which allows first-time buyers to get on to the property market. And when there is more 
money that is released into the economy to enable people to buy property, it actually doesn't reduce the price of property, it increases the price of property. Now, on June the 8th at 7.30pm in the evening, I'm going to be running an online training to explore this topic in more depth, particularly with regard to investing in HMOs. So I'll be looking at how investing in property and more specifically HMOs is a great way to hedge against the economy, particularly when we're in an inflationary environment, to secure your future and also create a legacy for your family and an income for yourself through HMOs. I'm going to be talking about the seven insider secrets to successful HMOs and one of those is actually understanding the wider economy. So I'll be sharing some more facts and figures about what's going on in the economy so that you can help make up your mind as to whether HMO investing is right for you. I'll also be talking about some of the reasons why HMOs are working really well in certain parts of the country right now and what some of the strategies are that certain HMO investors are using to increase their income. I'm also going to be sharing some of the uh, hot topics that are coming up all the time at the moment on some of the HMO forums such as occupancy and rental levels and I just want to be taking a look at some of the, the future indicators for HMOs where are they going and where are the opportunities so that is going to be on June the 8th at 7 30 p.m the link and the details are going to be in the podcast notes so please do feel free to register your space straight away now it's going to be an hour and a half's training we're going to go into some depth um, and also I'll be asking whether HMOs are the right strategy for you. And uh, I've developed a very simple self-assessment tool so that you can figure out whether this is the right investment strategy for you right now. So I look forward to seeing you for the online training on June the 8th at 7.30pm. Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast. If you'd like to know more about how you can create a profitable HMO business, please visit our website, hmosuccess.co.uk, to find out more. We have plenty of free tools and information for you there, and also on our Facebook group, The Ultimate HMO Success System. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening.